It's Rexy's musical podcast. You youngsters may have a hard time imagining this, but once upon a time, the whole purpose of MTV was to show music videos. These are like TikToks set to music. Well, better music and a whole lot of it. And for those of us in the MTV generation, that shit was every bit as addictive as a steaming cup of matcha or a five-hour energy drink. And while MTV certainly had a share of pointless garbage, especially now, it also provided an indelible soundtrack for an entire generation, myself included. I might not be able to remember anything from high school calculus, but I can recite every line from Mexican radio or the safety dance by heart. And frankly, I found that to be much more useful. Like today, for example, I'm about to talk to an iconic new wave legend whose biggest hit is one of the most recognizable songs of the 80s. The name of that song was 1981's Johnny, Are You Queer? And the woman responsible for it was the legendary Josie Cotton. When Josie released Johnny, Are You Queer? It instantly became an MTV new wave classic. This was a song whose hook was arguably one of the most contagious of the entire new wave era. And while the song was certainly controversial at the time, just as it might be today, there's a long and fascinating story behind it, one that involves the guys who wrote it, the Go-Go's, the hardcore band Fear, and a coin toss. There's also a much longer and more fascinating story behind Josie Cotton herself. This is a woman who has released a bunch of albums, including her latest entitled Day of the Gun, on her own Kitten Robot Records. And I mean this in all sincerity. This album is an absolute blast. Even when it's talking about serious subjects, Josie Cotton is going to make you feel good about it. It's an album that's taken about four years to complete, and she also got plenty of help with it, too, from people like Clem Burke of Blondie and Lee Rocker from the Stray Cats. And when I tell you that it's great, I am not exaggerating. It is fantastic. And so it's a real treat to talk to the incredible Josie Cotton on Baxi's Musical Podcast. A couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, Ray Rolden, the publicist, sent me a, a link yeah. to the new record. And he, he says to me, he says, you got to listen to the new Josie Cotton record. It's wild. <laughs> and uh, and he wasn't bullshitting me. I mean, Day of the Gun is so much freaking fun. What a great oh. effort. I loved it. I really did. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I uh, I know. I mean, I never know what fans I'm going to lose on which record, but <laughs> but this one, I I think it was. It, I just went into another, you know, play. So yeah, it's crazy because you know, I mean, I've listened to your stuff in the last couple of days, and I and I really think this is like the best thing that you've ever produced. I mean, you know, Painting in Blood is fantastic. Ukrainian Cowboy was great. I love Disco Ball. It sounds like you just took an awful lot of time to make this record right. Is that is that accurate? That's accurate. That's accurate. I, um, you know, I, I was putting out the singles, uh, you know, ahead of time, but I, I, I really, I really was super like, you know, OCD. <laughs> so I really, I think I was afraid to finish it. I, it was um, to let it out into the world because it was such a departure uh, for me. And it was so in intimately like revealing or, or, I mean, not that I talk about myself in these songs. It's, a, it's actual like storytelling. I I think you could say safely, 
but uh, it was just a big reveal. And I and um, thank you for noticing that. I, I did put a lot into this record. It totally shows, and it's got this great campy rockabilly surf B movie vibe to it, which uh, appears to be kind of like your special territory. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I relate to I relate to that world because it's. I don't know. I had an affinity since I was a kid with science fiction and horror movies and just in comedy. Like that was what like took me out of my weird childhood, you know, just being in alone in a room with, a, a, you know, Godzilla was just like, so, you know, <laughs> you know fantastic uh, thing. And I, it just never left me. And, and I, I've just started, I guess, bringing it into my songwriting, which was a, de a part departure for me, really. I, you know, I did the B-movie theme song record, but the songwriting was kind of separate. Now I'm I'm now a science fiction whore. <laughs> <laughs> it's great the way you've taken the songs and you've mirrored that same you love of B-movie and science fiction and applied yeah. it to the, the videos, too, because the videos oh, really, yeah. sh really show that passion as yeah. well. Yeah, well, everything except the only song I didn't write was the Elvis song. And and to me, it's the most beautiful song, uh, you know, one of the most beautiful I've ever heard. And it was it was kind of a tribute to my my old producers who wrote Johnny Aquir, the Payne Brothers. They both passed away now. So it's it's um, bittersweet because I know they would have loved this. But, uh, and, you know, that's a sincere song. Nothing else is completely sincere. <laughs> it's always there's a tongue in cheek uh uh, double entendre or I'm contradicting what I just said and and I, I think it's uh, confusing for people but that's good I actually want to ask you about this this song because like you said it was written by Larson and Bobby Bobby yeah and uh it was supposed to be recorded by Brian Setzer and, and never yes. got never got there why did he pass on that well he didn't pass he um he actually sang it live Larson wrote it backstage before they were going to do a show together, and he was he had the uh, the base of the song, um, but he didn't have the lyric. He was actually writing it as they were on stage, even, and and Brian sang it. I don't know why he he didn't do it. I um because I don't know, but Larson produced a record with him. I mean, Brian did several of his songs of Larson's songs. And they were in a band together. So I don't know. That's a mystery to me. But yeah. I, I always I always had it in the back of my mind. Someday I'm going to do that song. I'm going to do that song because I, <laughs> I loved it. And uh, and and so I, I you know, I rearranged it and, and whatnot. And, and Larson, he loved the production. And so that that made me so happy. He loved it so much. He gave me the publishing on it. So, wow. yeah, I think that was to pay me back for He Could Be The One, which I... I wrote a lot of that, and I was never put on the song. <laughs> I think he's trying to balance the tables. I don't know. The, uh, but the, it, it worked. The duet with, uh, with Kevin Preston makes that song really, really great. And the fact that you've got Lee Rocker yeah. to play stand-up bass on it, I think is very, very cool. Yeah, I know. I mean, and he was he's such an astounding musician. That, that, uh, he, he just brought a whole, legitimized me, basically, in the rockabilly world, and and, um, you know, in that sense. And um, and then Kevin is such an outstanding singer. I mean, he, he in moments he he sounded like Elvis and I felt like, you know, Wanda Jackson. Or I mean, we were <laughs> we were just uh, going into a whole Western kind of thing. And, you know, being from Texas, that 
that felt okay. I didn't feel like I, you know, was pretending to be that. It's it's definitely inside me, you know, and comes out once in a while. <laughs> and it definitely did sound like a like a sincere recording. Like I said, it's, it is it is different than some of, than the rest of the songs, but yet it fits. It's not. It doesn't like stand out there like it like it doesn't right. the, it doesn't belong. It's, I know it oddly fits right beside Ukrainian cowboy, which is like a polka song, but uh, but there, but there's a but there's a Western element to the Western guitars, and uh, you know, and and so that was funny to me that that it fit in the record. I was like, how on earth am I gonna? And it had to be a very specific order for this record to work. I I, I worked on it for months. The order was just like. It's never gonna work. This is never gonna work, and, and I, I think I found the way at the end. You know, for for better or for worse, I was in in high school during that that sweet spot of the MTV generation, uh, and and I remember that's back when you yeah. could actually you could actually watch MTV because it was actually something on it worth watching. But in eighty yes. uh-huh. in eighty one, I mean, remember the the video for Johnny Are You Queer? And it's like one of those to me, it was like one of those generation defining songs in the in the early eighties. And uh, I yeah. know I know it's got a fascinating history that people probably don't know about. It, again, it's a, it's another uh, you know Payne Brothers song, and it was supposed to be recorded by the Go Go's. And and just yeah. like just like this ballad of, of Elvis Presley, it it falls yeah. into your lap. Tell me the the story about that and, and how you got to record it. Well, I it was it was a classic Hollywood story. I was in a bank line. I felt could feel feel someone like staring at me smiling and it was so creepy and I was just like oh god this and um and I and I'm I'm a naturally shy person and 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 I try and overcome it and this time I I I was I felt you know just don't be so shy just you just smile back at this person he obviously you know is smiling he wouldn't stop in fact and so I I, I turn around and uh and that was Larson Payne. And um, and so he carved my phone number into his car with a nail that was on the ground. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we talked about, you know, I was a singer and all this stuff. It wasn't like a pickup, what I thought we would work together. That, that was my, um, and we did, but I had to absolutely plead with them for me to sing that song. I mean, I was, I was a singer and I was a songwriter, but I just, I just thought that was the most hilarious. I have a background in comedy and whatnot, and I and I uh, had a comedy radio show back in the day in Dallas, and and it was just like that's hilarious, and it's it's so it's such a great song, and um, so finally they they were making a demo for the song. They they parted ways with the Go Go's. They were producing them, and um, and that was their big live song. They, that was the song they would do at the end of the night, and. And um, they got a lot of uh, notoriety from from that. That was like their, you know, it was their moment at the end of the set. And um, and so uh, when they parted ways, the Payne brothers said, well, you can't do that song anymore. And that was how they ended. And so they were just had to make a demo for it for their publishing Warner Brothers. And so I said, I, I want to sing that demo. And they were going, no, 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 Josie. And I was like, let me just sing it. It's just a, what what harm could it do? It's just a demo. I'm gonna I want to sing it, and so finally they they let me, and that single became the 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 recording that we used, uh, and and brought it to uh, to Bump Records, and they they didn't even you know was, we have a song called Johnny Queer, and Greg Shaw went, I'll take it, <laughs> and he didn't even hear it. So 
that was pretty funny. And and that's and that's how it, you know initially started and whatnot. So there's many uh, turns and tribulations of, of that song, but that's the very beginning. <laughs> I also read a, a story about how y- y- Larson had had maybe based that song loosely on a song by by the band Fear, which is like a, a hardcore band for oh, people yeah. who don't know, and uh, yeah. based on Fetch Me One More Beer. And uh, my understanding of of this was is that once it became a hit for you, Fear wanted to recover some of the publishing rights for the song. And my understanding is that it was decided on based on a coin toss. Is, is that it, is that true? It was. It was. It, it, that's almost that's almost the right um, storyline. But um, they 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 had a they had a song called Johnny Are You Queer? But it was it was it was just them yelling the line in the, in the, in the very angry way that fear has this charming you know like heart, terrifying anger. Uh, <laughs> I was so scared when I first met him. But um, but uh, and they they loved the line. It was in uh, it would they thought that would be a great song, so they altered it tremendously and made it a pop song instead of like a, a fear song. And, um, and so uh, before I ever, re- I think I recorded it. I'm, I might've recorded it and uh, they want, they wanted some of the publishing and they did a toy cost, a uh, coin toss. Okay. I, I think I said <laughs> a coin toss. Right. Like, That's not right. <laughs> but, um, and so um, they wanted half the publishing and the Payne brothers said, no, let's do it. Bobby Payne said, let's do a coin toss. And if, uh, if, if we win, we get all the publishing. And if you win, you get all the publishing. And so they lost, they were willing to do the 50, 50 split and, and, and fear (laughs) did not want to do that. And they said, okay, let's do it. You know? And, And so they lost and then they, they wanted to change the deal and they went, no, a deal's a deal, and uh, <laughs> so, and, you know, so what, what a tough, some, what a tough year for fear. They get kicked off a of Saturday Night Live, and they lose the coin toss all at once. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, <laughs> but uh, but you know, but I, I I reconnected with him, and he's changed. He's a changed guy. He's like a he's like a professor from Oxford or something. Now he's so charming and lovely to see you. And you know, isn't it <laughs> fantastic how people love the punk rock now? And I was like are you really him? Because I don't know. <laughs> I remember him as just being like, whoa, this guy. I interviewed him. I think it was like last year, you know, leaving. And uh, it was, it was funny because I expected one thing and I got something totally different. Like, yes. he was, like he was, I, I don't know if he was trying real hard, but he was, he, he was trying to impress me with how smart he was. I mean, he's a smart guy, but he was like trying really hard because I think he wanted oh. to get, he wanted to get past that shadow of, of, uh, of a destructive band on Saturday Night Live. When was that? How long ago was that? Oh, this it had to be about a year, year and a half ago. It wasn't, okay. that, it wasn't that long ago, but yeah. <laughs> wow, they got kicked off. That's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. They did a, they did a record with the Pain Brothers. Uh, they never got like released. You know, it was just incredible. I I don't know what happened with that either, but but yeah. So there's there's that connection too. And but the funny thing is when I uh, what I heard was actually the 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 people that they lifted the line Johnny are you queer was this blind dude who was the boyfriend of a friend of Fear's and that they lifted it from this blind dude and then Fear had it and then the Pain Brothers they everyone loved that line Johnny are you queer it just seemed like zing like that was that was the uh, line people wanted and um, so 
one of the interesting parts about that song, though, is that, you know, at the time, it was relatively controversial. There were some people that thought it was homophobic. Other people thought it was promoting a gay agenda. I mean, I don't think yeah. it was either one of those things, but there was still yeah. a backlash. Tell me about what that song created. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I, um, you know, when we play, people would just be aghast when they heard it. They would just be dying laughing. Gay people. I mean, everyone in California, we played it for. We're just going, oh, my God, that's hilarious. Or that's I mean, the kids like the kids didn't think anything about that word. And they and they got the, the you know, the way it was intended. And it was it was so, um, you know, non um confrontive it was so, so it was such a tongue-in-cheek uh you know this girl she was, she was a character to me you know she was dumb as a box of rocks you know she just couldn't figure it out <laughs> and uh and that was part and, and to hear that word out of context so um that was lovely and then um uh, and then you know it, it, i started getting backlash from the press the local press they they were uh, upset. Be- I don't know why, but it was just, and it ended up me being banned in Amsterdam and the televangelists coming after me and the, the gay, the gay community in, in, in the East coast were uh, very sensitive about it. And the, the cover of village voice, I remember the, the, the very cover said, Josie, are you a bitch in answer to Johnny? Are you a queer? And they just reamed me. I mean, they just completely (laughs) tore me apart limb from limb. But then I would go to L.A. and it was an anthem and they would be, you know, protest, you know, for me. And and, uh, people would come up to me crying. Thank you so much for writing. I didn't write the song, but they thought I did. And, I, you know, for that song, it changed my life. It's how I told my parents I was gay. It's how I realized I was gay. I still hear that. Like older guys, obviously, but um, they're crying, like, to me, like, thank you. So that's, uh, but, you know, what's so funny to me now is uh, that, you know, all the politically correct talk and, and speak and double speak and, like you can't say you can't say a lot of words now. You can't say gay. You're not supposed to say gay or uh, homosexual. But queer is the only word that survived. I've talked to it like that's that has been embraced, and it's 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 like they own the word, and and it it makes me feel wonderful. I mean, I I feel like I played a, a small part in 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 making that word uh you know belong to the right people. And you know some some interviewers have asked me, well. You know, what if it, it, that song had not come out? And uh, do you think it would uh, have the same effect? And I, I really do think that that song had to be at that exact moment in time because you know the new wave and punk was very androgynous. There was a it was a, a whole mentality of changing. You know, m- you know mores and 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 I, I mean it could have been anyone. My dog could have sung it. You know, like I, I just it didn't have to be me, but it was me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, I, I, you know, I think that if that song had not come out, I, I don't know if queer would be universally used now. I think it had, it was like, a, it just slipped under the radar. And I mean, I took a lot of heat. For, for, I mean, believe me, I, I paid dearly for doing that song. But I think it's it's in the vernacular now. And it's and I feel proud of that. You know, I was finding myself asking you, what, what would be the reaction to that song if it had come out today? Obviously, it's it's all in hindsight. There's no way to tell. But I mean, you've got people yeah. shooting up cases of of Bud Light because of their belief systems about 
gender and sexuality and all kinds yeah. of things. And it's just it's just interesting to me, like, you know, would that have been as shocking today as it was back then? Or might it have been even worse now? It might have been worse. But the thing that was so beautiful about that song, the strange thing about Johnny, Are You Queer? is that, I mean, I remember being in, in, in shows and for Johnny Knoxville, I did this show at his birthday party and there were uh, skinheads and then there were, you know, punk rock. There were all these different factions who hated each other. And when that when I started singing that song, there was actually a stabbing that night in the, mm. in the audience. And it was like it was insane. And everyone came up to the stage together when Johnny Uquir was playing, like all, all the gay guys, all the like, you know, super scary skinheads and the different factions of skinheads. And and it was like, that's weird that that that's the song that brings us all together. Like, <laughs> how funny. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. I, I also saw another video, actually, another interview that you had done, and the discussion was that because of the, the heat that was coming off that song, even though, I mean, you know, wound up being in Valley Girl with Nicolas Cage, I mean, it, it wound up having some legs over, over a period yeah, of time, but, but that the heat was a little bit too hot for Electra Records, and, yeah. and they chose to drop you from their label. Mm -hmm. What yeah. was their excuse for that? Well, you know, there had been like a turnover of CEOs, people, you know, people, the A&R person, they had had three CEOs while I was there. And, um, and that always causes havoc. You know, they, I, I was signed because Johnny Queer was taking off, all, you know, it was an international sensation. And so that, they, they, they loved that. But I don't think they realized the corporate ba backlash that was going to happen and whatnot. And so um, by the, you know, by the time I, you know, I'd finished the second record with them and they were, it was all new people and they didn't understand Johnny or Queer and they were really annoyed that people were, because um, it was banned on, from radio. I mean, it was just an insane thing. And, it, you know, there were no records in the stores and I, I don't know. Um, they, but they seemed like incompetent to me. <laughs> they didn't know what to do with it. They just uh, dropped the ball. I mean, you get that much notoriety and you can't like you have records in the stores. It was it was nutty. And so, um, yeah, they didn't give me an explanation. They, no one even dropped, uh, told me it was my manager. Randy Phillips was my manager then. And, um, you know, perfect storm. And so I uh, and so he says, yeah, yeah, Jowsy, you know, they they dropped you. It was right before I was going to you know, do my first acting job in a movie. And uh, right before I went on, he goes, Electra dropped you. <laughs> I was like, "Good timing, Randy. Uh, thank you." And um, but they they never, no one even, you know, you know, bothered to to say goodbye except one person in the marketing department, and um, and he was a gentleman about it, you know, yeah. and so that was nice. But at that point, I um, I had offers from IRS. I mean, I had different offers, but I was so turned off with the music business. And being in the hands of strange people who really didn't get me, and and uh, I didn't think that they were very good at what they did. So um, I chose to not. Um, it wasn't that I chose. It was like I, I would waves of nausea would overcome me once, and go, you know, they want to sign you. I have a meeting, and I was like, <laughs> and I just went on another path. I had to really reinvent myself and. And I'm and I was tired of being attacked. It's Josie Cotton, and uh, so I I just experiment. I just started an experimental career of 
and it's been fun. Yeah. I, I I don't think I would have this record now if if I had been had to you know be, stay Josie Cotton, you know, like right. Did, no, I, <laughs> I I had heard a, a a story about, and I don't know if it was Electra, but I believe it was, and correct me if I'm wrong. And I, and I find this to be just impossible to imagine that their suggestion to you to change your image was to pose naked in a photo spread. Is that true? Yes. That's the penthouse. They, they, yes, that is, I don't know. That's, that's not a really known thing, but yes, they wanted me to do this layout. And that was right around the time when I got dropped because I, I said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. And, uh, and that's, very coincidentally, right when I was dropped, because I said, "Ah, no, I said that's not me," and uh, and so that was that that irritated them greatly. Yeah, I think that this, the very suggestion would irritate you more because if you wanted to do that, you would have made that decision on your own, not because of them. What a ridiculous thing to suggest you I do. Know. It's yeah, stupid. they just want. They just. I didn't feel safe. I <laughs> just did not feel yeah. safe there, and. Uh, that's funny, you know that. I, 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 I sometimes I forget that ha that happened, but that happened. <laughs> That's amazing to me that that would ever be, that would ever be suggested. I just, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. You've, done, you've done your homework. My oh, goodness. Li oh, listen, I, <laughs> I spent, I spent uh, this every time I do one of these interviews is like studying for the SATs. <laughs> you know, it's like you need a Stanley Kaplan course or whatever. But I, I try <laughs> to do as much homework as I can. But you That's know, cool. Well, thank you, thank you. I, you know. In in studying up on you, you know, one of the things that I think is so true and, and I think it's great because I really appreciate this. So much of your music has a sense of humor, does have a real tongue in cheek sense to it. Even when mm -hmm. you're dealing with, you know, serious topics or, or whatever it may be, there's always a twist that I think is, you know, a lot of artists are just afraid to show that they even have a sense of humor. But I think when you do it and it's effective, I think it's great to watch. Thank you so much. I, 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 it makes, if it makes me laugh, I'm, even if no one else gets what I'm saying, then I, I can have my own secret little uh, joke, you know, like going on in the song. <laughs> but um, a lot of people don't, don't understand my, that I'm sneaking in very funny lines. I think they make me laugh and, uh, and even sad songs and uh, whatnot. So uh, yeah, that's a, it's I think has to do with my fear, my phobia really of being corny. <laughs> like I, I, and I just don't I don't I don't like anything corny. I, I it's when someone is just just you know just says things in such a way that it's just you 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 just like you know diabetic coma comes to mind. I I so I I'm always trying to like you know couch things and uh. In a way, and also life is 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 funny. You know, yeah. it's like it, it moments, the darkest moments. There's there's humor abounds, and if you don't notice it, there's I I mean, there's something wrong with you. I think you know, <laughs> like it's funny as shit. You know, well, I, yeah, it, so many people take everything so damn seriously, and you know, I yeah. Mean, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine that someone has the energy to be brooding and depressed all the time. That's a lot of work to be that it's to be that miserable. Work. Yeah. It really is, and uh, people are already, uh, you know, sad enough. I, I don't, I don't feel like uh, it's my job to make people sadder. <laughs> like, <laughs> why would I do that? It's we're all in trouble here. The, you know, like, damn. 
you've uh, you've got a lot of writing experience in your in your background and um, you know comedy writing. You, you mentioned you did you know radio for a period of time. Tell me about that about you know comedy writing and 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 what have you what have you done and what and what and what has drawn you to that? Well, um, th- that was a purely uh, accidental uh, meeting of a girl who was so hilarious. She was spontaneous, a uh, comic. She was just hilarious, and um, I realized through her that I that I also had a love for humor. And in Texas, people are pretty funny. See, that's the thing people <laughs> don't know about Texas. I'm always going from Dallas, you know, like, but, uh, but there's actually like a really, uh, you know, a keen sense of, of humor. And I took that to, a, you know, a good sense of the absurd. So that's even further, further out. But, um, you know, and so um, she wanted to be a stand-up comedian and she was this really funny person and so we just decided that we should have our own radio show <laughs> because we would come up with stuff and she was more spontaneous I was more the writer I I could write stuff out but I was definitely the straight man and she could just like like we well on the, one of our shows uh, uh, it was the Cha-Cha Nuba show and, and we and um the right after us were, were the Black Panthers I mean she was outrageous you know she was just like <laughs> Like, you know, it's just like stuff that was just like, oh, my God, we're going to die. <laughs> but uh, and after it was it was over and she she they came up and they were very serious, these guys, you know, and and uh, and she came into the guy and she said, nice tan to this guy, this black <laughs> panther guy. And he was looking at her and he just started cracking up. <laughs> It was like, I mean, it was just, it was, it opened up my channels of perception and in a way it's like, okay, it's really good, you know, to be tuned into that. My mom was very funny. And so I just, I just, I just realized I've always written poets, like sad poetry and, and, um, and I I can write funny things too. And so I, I, you know, began in putting it in my music. It was just, it was like a year we had, I, I, I didn't go any further with that. I, I mean, I was in a, um, uh, I was an actress for a little bit, and I was in a, a science fiction comedy, science fiction movie with T Bone Burnett of all people, because I knew him in Dallas, and oh, um, wow. and so um, you know that's just always been in the back of my mind, and, um, and comedic acting, I just think that's so fun. I get to do it in my videos now, and in, in, in writing, I no, it's just like uh, a lot of people don't think of me. They don't get what I, my humor, but I, I appreciate you you seeing that. Well, I I definitely get it, and you know, as I'm watching the the videos for the new album, I'm thinking anybody who does videos like this has to have an incredible sense of humor. Yeah, I mean, it's not self-effacing in any way, but it is. It's really campy and out there, and it's 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 really really cool. It's it's so much fun to see. Thank you. Oh no appreciate problem, it. no problem. I was also going back and 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 looking at some of the people that you've that you've played with musicians that it, it's like a, like a who's who everybody from Lindsay Buckingham to, uh, you know, Prescott Niles, the knack Clem Burke from, uh, from Blondie Klaus fluoride from, from dead Kennedys. And, and, uh, obviously everyone, you know, in that lineup, uh, you know, respects what you do and what you're all about. It's, it's, that's really cool. Well, I, I also, like I did, um, I sang with, uh, uh, Brian Wilson. I did, a, I'm not Brian Wilson, uh, <laughs> uh, Brian Setzer. Brian <laughs> I don't know if it's the Brian Setzer, but there's a big difference between him and Brian I know. Wilson. <laughs> Brian Wilson, I, I mean, I mean, I, I, I idolize his, his songwriting and whatnot. But Brian Setzer is, 
is no, you know, small change. He's a brilliant, brilliant uh, person. And we did a song together on my, the third record I did that never came out, like that was supposed to be on Electra. It's called Everything's So Yeah. And we did a couple of songs on that record together. One's a rock, you know, they're both rockabilly right. songs. And uh, and so that was really fun. But yeah, the, yeah, I've, I've, I've had a chance to, um, it's just so funny that I never, you know, T-Bone and I we talked about working together and it was always ships passing in the night. And what, you know, I don't know. I don't know why that never happened, but that was just always a mystery, you know, because we were like good friends and um, and, and everything. And he disappears. I mean, people, he is a popular guy. I mean, it's just, um, you know, maybe you, someday before I like the day before I leave this earth. Or something, yeah. Well, you, you could be produced <laughs> by worse people. That's for damn sure. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So is the is there any chance of, of you going on the road with this record or or what's what's the plan after oh, yeah. it's released? Well, Ray is um help is helping me find a um a tour manager. I'm 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 a I'm an odd bird in in the sense that I have this whole history and people who love the 80s, they want they want to hear that and I and I get weary of of doing 80s things and um you know the people are wonderful and it's very gratifying when you know people are so happy you're making them so happy and they're uh but it doesn't necessarily make me happy and i'm singing you know 80 songs it's like oh god i yeah uh, so um it's hard to could you get you know I, I people don't know what where to put me some people follow me through all my phases and they love that and then uh, some you know so it has to have a broad, you know, swath of, of people. So it's it's a very tricky thing. I think Ray found me somebody though who's if if it happens, it's going to be like it's it's a wild kind of ride here. So it's like a very special, a very special um, who is into is very used to like kind of the avant gardeish you know realm, which I I tend to veer towards yeah. <laughs> all the time. Well, it's uh, like I said, Day of the Gun is a great, great album. It's so much fun. And it's been a real pleasure to talk to you, Josie. I wish you all the best of luck with this. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay, take care. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. The name of Josie Cotton's album is called Day of the Gun, and it is absolutely terrific and a whole hell of a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to rate it, like it, share it with all your friends. You can reach me on all the social medias or by emailing me at backsatrock102.com. I'd love to know what you think. And thanks again for listening to Baxi's Musical Podcast.